Yes, Lord Vader. The shield will be down in moments. You may start your landing. Excellent. We'll prepare for our descent. Hey, hey, Consuela, no, no cleaning. No, cl no cleaning while I'm doing the hologram. Shut that off! Mr. Darth, you, you know have no more Windex on Star Destroyer. Well, that's not my problem. Why don't you go out and buy some? No, no, you buy. What if I give you the money, then you can go out and buy it? No. gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. The Force. The Force. The Force. The Force. Hey everybody, welcome to The Force of Course. I'm your host Ted and I've got quite a girthy show for you today. That sounded dirty. Anyway, without wasting any more time, let's jump right into the Force of Course News of the Week. There's been a quiet shakeup in the gaming industry. Key developers from multiple major studios have come together to create a new game studio titled That's No Moon. That name there should tell you something. Their website simply states, we're a group of veteran game developers with decades of combined experience that have come together to form a new studio with a singular vision to create captivating, narrative-driven games. Now they plan to focus on first-person action-based games and their first project is rumored to be an action-adventure game set in the Star Wars universe. Nothing's been officially announced, but if this is true, I can't tell you how excited I am. Well, I can, but I'm trying to keep this at least... R-rated. Now these people are responsible for games that I have the utmost respect for, games that I play over and over like Uncharted, The Last of Us, and Destiny, just to name a few. I look for big things to come out of this studio. In more disturbing news, Toymaker Hasbro, you know, the place that makes all our fabulous Star Wars figures, has announced that they will be raising prices just in time for the holiday season. My knee-jerk reaction is that this is a dick move. However, the hike has been issued in order to combat supply chain issues. If this is true, then can we now expect to actually see toys on the shelves going forward? I can't tell you the last time I walked into a Target here in Cincinnati and actually saw a Star Wars figure on the pegs. Everything I buy lately has to be either on the secondary market and talk about a price hike there, or through an online retailer like Entertainment Earth or Big Bad Toy Store. And they aren't really able to deliver either. I've had figures on pre-order from Big Bad Toy Store since early March, and the release dates just keep getting pushed back further and further. November and January are the new expected dates for figures that were released this past spring. So yeah, I get that supply chain issues are a problem. Hasbro said the increase would most likely only be a single digit percentage point. So I'm sure that's going to equate to about a $2 hike on figures alone. Frankly, I wish Hasbro would just give up the Star Wars license and let someone else take a shot at it. Maybe then I can get my 6-inch Lobot. Disney strikes again with their Galactic Star Cruiser. This is a Star Wars-themed luxury hotel currently being built in the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. Scheduled to open in spring of 2022, the Galactic Star Cruiser will have the look and feel of full immersion in the Star Wars universe. Think Batuu, but on an even larger scale. 
The real news here is the pricing that was recently announced for a stay at the resort. For a two-night stay, for you and your significant other, you can expect to pay $4,800. Now let's break that down a bit. That's only, I don't know, $1,200 per person per night. And I'm sure these prices apply to the most basic rooms. If you want something fancier, say, I don't know, a room with a bed, I'm sure the prices just go nuts from there. Now, the price is said to include meals, excluding alcoholic beverages. If you want an alcoholic beverage, you should probably call ahead and see if they have layaway. Uh, it also includes parking and magic bands for both guests and admission to the park, which softens the blow a bit, but only a bit. You can find the itinerary online if this is something you're into, but personally, I can think of better ways to spend my money. In Bad Batch news, with the finale fast approaching, it was finally announced that a second season is in fact coming in 2022. With the success of the series, it was a no-brainer that a second season would get ordered. Make sure you tune in this Friday for the final episode of Season 1 to see where they leave the team to set up the next season's adventures. And finally, I'm sad to announce that author Jonathan Rinsler passed on July 28th of pancreatic cancer. He spent 15 years as the executive editor at Lucas Books and authored the incredible making of series of books for the original trilogy. Let's keep his family in our thoughts. And if you haven't checked out these books, you're really missing out. They're a fantastic look at what went on behind the scenes during the production of the original trilogy films. From the planning stages to marketing to behind the camera, it's just a really amazing in-depth look of everything that was going on while they were making those movies. That's all I have for this week's edition of the Force of Course News of the Week. All right, now let's jump right into the Bad Batch recap. We're talking about episode 15, Return to Camino. Guys and gals, the story is running full steam ahead now. Crosshair takes Hunter back to Camino, where we see the Empire cleaning house. I mean, they're taking everything that they could see as useful. Uh, the team is in hot pursuit. Omega leads the team into Topoka City through a hidden entrance of sorts, and they come across the very lab where they were created. That was pretty cool. She talks about their creation as if she was there witnessing it, which leads me to believe she's older than the Bad Batch. I mean, I have to assume maybe her growth isn't accelerated, kind of like Boba's. As the team makes plans to rescue Hunter, by the way, Crosshair is fully aware that they are coming to rescue Hunter. He's actually counting on it. Uh, Hunter tries to reason with Crosshair. Now, I'm not going to give too much away here. You really need to watch this. Um, the one thing I will tell you is that um, the inhibitor chip in Crosshair may not have been the issue we thought it was. Meanwhile, the Empire has removed everything useful from the cloning facility, as I said, and they bring the Venator-class Star Destroyers in closer to fire on Topoka City. We see a barrage of lasers come down, and the city is going up in massive explosions. Our heroes are on the run with an unconscious crosshair in tow, attempting to make it to a ship to make their getaway. But... Their path is cut off by laser fire. They turn back and run into the facility, and we see the whole structure topple in on itself, leaving us wondering the fate of our beloved Bad Batch. Now, I cut some corners here. I didn't want to say everything that happened in the episode, but this episode is well worth watching. It really is amazing. Um, I have to assume they make it back to the underground hamster habit trail setup and zip away to maybe another part of what I have to assume is the secret underbelly of Camino. I mean, if the Empire knew about the underwater portion of the city, they would be taking steps to destroy that as well, right? I guess we'll have to wait until Friday to find out for sure in the final installment of this first season. Uh, I also have to mention that the use of pieces of the score from Attack of the Clones and the scenes on Kamino in this episode really do set the look and feel of being back in the cloning facility. 
The creative team is absolutely knocking it out of the park in these last few episodes. Now, what do we expect to see in the final episode? What loose ends need to be tied up? Honestly, I don't expect full closure on the Crosshair Redemption storyline, if that's what we're going to get. Unless he sacrifices himself somehow in order to let the rest of the team escape. But do they need to escape? As it stands, the Empire fully believes that not only have they dealt with the Bad Batch, but they've wiped the Kamino and cloning situation off the map. Would it be the worst thing in the world to have the team set up in the secret areas of Kamino and use that as their base of future operations? I mean, I'm sure there must be some kind of supplies to do so hidden away somewhere under the surface. That could be a really cool way to continue the story. Uh, aside from Crosshair's arc, everything else can be stretched into the second season. All right, that's all I have for the Bad Batch recap. We'll finish our Bad Batch coverage next week. And for now, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to go over the future projects in the Star Wars franchise and what we can expect to see moving forward. Stick around. From Kenner's Star Wars collection, the new Darth Vader TIE Fighter. Careful, Luke. We've got company. X-Wing fighter and action figure sold separately. Batteries not included. He's on our tail, Luke. Darth Vader's TIE Fighter has flashing lights. Action sound. Luke's force is strong, but we've got him now. Oh, no, you don't. We've lost our solar panels. Perfect hit. I'll be back. Kenner's new Star Wars Darth Vader TIE Fighter. X-Wing fighter and action figure each sold separately. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. Uh, I did some online car shopping and chased a muddy dog around the house. But that's not important right now. This is. With the Bad Batch coming to a close this week and us being about a month out from Visions launching, I thought it a great time to talk about what we have on the horizon for Star Wars media. With almost no release dates being announced, I'm left to just speculate on the timeline, so please don't hold me to any of this. We're just having a little bit of fun here. Now, we know Visions kicks off on September 22nd, which is a Wednesday, and this is out of line with what we're used to with Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. We've been given everything on a Friday, but Disney+, Plus has had a lot of success with Marvel releasing their stuff on Wednesdays, so maybe that's where the change came from. Seven anime studios will share their versions of Star Wars stories told in anime style in Visions, which is rumored to be nine episodes of various lengths. Visions will take us right into the Thanksgiving holiday season. Now that's assuming they release them in the one episode per week format. The Book of Boba Fett is set to launch in December, so again, there will be roughly a month in between series. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett is one of the series I'm most excited about, dealing with two timelines, uh, what we will see directly after the events of The Mandalorian Season 2 and the events that take place around the original trilogy. So this should prove to be the perfect marriage of all my Star Wars loves. The exact number of episodes has changed based on what I'm reading here and there, but it will be a shorter run. I also had a thought, and this could be interesting. Yeah, I had a thought. It happens. They could do a run on this series using the prefix, the book of, and highlight a ton of characters. We could see the book of Lobot, the book of Admiral Akbar, the book of 2-1-B and FX-7. Hell, the book of Jack Porkins. I could go on and on. So after the Book of Boba Fett, it gets muddy as far as what we release next. What we have in production currently is the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, Andor, and Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Now, it's my opinion that we would see Andor first. I believe it's the furthest along, and it's probably been in production for the longest amount of time. This series could do a lot of fun things in fleshing out the beginnings of the Rebellion and the underworld side of that realm. Diego Luna running around on missions of espionage and intrigue could be very exciting. 
Also, they have to do more than one season of Andor for no other reason than the fact that Alan Tudyk isn't in the first season as K2SO, and I need them to bring him into the fold. After Andor, I would expect to see the third installment of The Mandalorian. I don't think people want to wait too long to see that continue. I talked about the promotional poster for that showing Luke and Grogu, and I hope that they aren't the focal point of that show. I'm hoping to see them perhaps in a cameo situation as a way to announce a series that focuses on that, like maybe Luke's Jedi Academy as a show of its own. But season three needs to be the Mandalorian. I mean, he's the titular character after all. After season three of Mando, I would then expect Obi-Wan to release. This series has been a long time coming. It should be a really big deal. Um, It is another short run series. Uh, Obi-Wan is a one and done. So there shouldn't be a season two. We should be like, once we're done with this season of Obi-Wan, we're going to be done. After Obi-Wan, things get even muddier. At this point, nothing has been announced officially on any of the series we were promised back last December. Uh, A droid story, the animated series that will follow R2 and 3PO on some antics, could be peppered in at any point. The Bad Batch Season 2 will drop during this time, I'm sure. Rangers of the New Republic has been put on a shelf at this point, and I'm thinking it may never happen. So that leaves Lando, Ahsoka, and the Acolyte from the original announcement. Ahsoka will most likely tie into the events of the Mandalorian because she's hunting Grand Admiral Thrawn. That plot point will tie up the Rebels animated series and should be a focus sooner rather than later. Lando? Ugh, Lando. I'm really worried about this series. I want it to happen so bad. I recently read that it will focus on the timeline between Solo and Empire, so casting Donald Glover makes total sense. I think he did such a fantastic job on Solo, and I want to see more of that. Plus... Lobot! I can see more Lobot, like the origin story of Lobot! Guys, you know I love me some Lobot, right? This series needs to not fall through the cracks. If anything, it could be the catalyst to getting us more solo action. And that could potentially be another series that's announced. Solo. Finally, The Acolyte. Now, I don't have a ton of interest in this series. Taking place at the conclusion of the High Republic era, not an era I've gotten into, And I know they already have Leslie Headland slated to be the executive producer and showrunner, so it's in the works. I just don't know how soon we'll see it. This December, we'll have another shareholder meeting, and I hope to get a lot more info on the series I just discussed. And maybe the announcement of even more, honestly. I don't care to hear about much more being developed, though. I just want them to focus on what we've already been promised. The only things I would like to hear, uh, as far as new series go, would be like Luke's Jedi Academy and maybe something solo-related. Now, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't just a little bit worried about Star Wars fatigue. Hell, it's happened to us before. When Disney originally started to launch films, they did so at a pace that fans couldn't support. Or could they? I mean, Marvel has been doing it for years. But then again, Marvel hasn't had a movie come out that divided its fandom in the same way The Last Jedi did. I mean, they had Thor The Dark World, which totally sucked balls, but I think everybody agreed on that. After The Last Jedi, fans weren't ready for more. They lost their trust in Star Wars storytelling. Now, hopefully, The Mandalorian has won that trust back. Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau have given us some fantastic stuff. If everything we see going forward is on that level or even close, then I think we can stave off the fatigue. At least that's my hope. I also know the cinematic universe is picking up steam, with Patty Jenkins now dialed in to Rogue Squadron. Taika Waititi is developing a Star Wars project as well. I've heard Kevin Feige is working on something Star Wars related, and there are even more rumblings of Ryan Johnson still working on something, which I was originally railing against. 
I mean, I'll tell the truth here. When I first saw The Last Jedi, I was so mad at Ryan Johnson for ruining my Star Wars. Ugh, how he treated my original trilogy heroes was unforgivable. But upon further viewings and seeing what he is capable with with Knives Out, I'd definitely be interested in seeing a Star Wars-related project from him as long as it's original content. Please don't let him play with my toys. All right, that's all I have for you guys today. Like I said, this is mostly conjecture and speculation, but what's more fun than that? I hope you had a good time. Thanks so much for tuning in. I know how hectic life can be, so the fact that you spent some of your precious time listening to me talk Star Wars is greatly appreciated. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is a great way to grow the show. You can also rate and review the show. That helps others find the show. I just said show 17 times. Feel free to interact with me on social media at The Force, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. You can also email me at TheForceOfCourse77 at gmail.com. Send me your Lobot pictures. Also, send me any feedback from episodes you've listened to. Tell me you agree, disagree. Give me any topic suggestions you might have, or just say hi. Until next week, this has been The Force, of course. My name is Ted, and as always, play with your toys.